0: Life is a journey from one place to the next, always in continual motion. Some seasons are filled with awe and wonder, while some are filled with hardship and pain, each step more difficult than the last. Still, the journey doesn't end, it's always moving forward. find strength in your feet striking the pavement one step at a time as you become closer and closer to your destination all the while being guided by this still soft voice that says keep going we're getting closer you're almost there
1: good morning how's everybody doing i guess good? good everybody awake It was kind of sleepy this morning. I don't know what it is, but I know guys got uh, good things in store for today, so I'm excited about that. Excited to be back. Had a great vacation. We went down to St. Augustine. We go down there just about every year, and uh, at one point in time when we were on vacation, we had 42 people there in our group at this one condo condominium complex, 42 people, 21 kids and 21 adults. So I don't know how much of a vacation that is, but what we did figure out is that if we would just stay on the beach long enough. Pretty soon all of the older kids would leave and it would just be Reed left with the adults. You can give Reed a shovel. He digs holes all day long. So then we could have vacation. We don't know where the other ones went, but they were always there when we got back up to the room. So we really didn't worry about it, but it ended up being really, really good. So we had a great time, Um, but very excited to be back. Haven't preached in a couple of weeks. And anytime I don't preach for a couple of weeks, I start getting very anxious to preach. And so I'm excited to be able to do that today. We're going to be wrapping up the taking ground series this morning, where we've been looking at, um, how we take ground, um, for the kingdom of God. And we started this back, um, In June, where we looked at when we, the day we broke ground on our building, and we talked about how we didn't want it just to be about breaking ground, but we wanted to take ground for the kingdom. And this book of Joshua is all about God's people taking ground, taking physical ground, um, for God, and also taking ground spiritually for God. And so we've been looking at how do we take ground for the kingdom. And today, um, I'm excited to be preaching this, this last message. It's actually out of Joshua chapter 14. It's going to be about a man named Caleb, who, um, goes and gets a piece of land that God had promised to him years and years before. And it's a great story. It's a great account of how God brought this man through so many things and he did exactly what he promised him he would do. And we know this with God, that when God promises something, he always fulfills it. It might not be in our time and it might not be when we think, but God always fulfills his promises. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, So if you have your Bible, you can turn Joshua chapter 14, beginning in verse six. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. If you'd like a Bible. We'll gladly give you a Bible at one of our guest services would Love for everybody in here to have a Bible, bring a Bible, read the Bible, do what the Bible says. Amen. All right. All right. So Joshua chapter 14, verse six, let's read through verse 15. And then we're going to talk about this. And I just believe God has something great in store for us. Um, he's a good and great God. Let's see. Joshua 14, six. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunah the Kenazite, Said to him, "You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. So as you read this, you have to kind of think back to the Book of Numbers, is the Book of Numbers where where God um." actually Moses sends these men into the promised land as God had promised to give them this land he, Moses sends 12 spies in and if you remember the story they go in and they see these huge men right they see these big um, cities these well fortified cities and the 12 spies come back and there's only two of them that say let's take the land the other 10 are like no no no, no we're not going to do it and they literally put fear in the hearts of the other people but two men Joshua and Caleb say let's take it God's given this to us they're big and they're mighty but our God is bigger let's go and Take this land that God is giving us. And so this is what. Caleb is talking about as he goes to Joshua, the two that have been walking this thing out forever. The two that said, yes, let's take the land. The two that, um, for 45 years now, as you're going to see, have been waiting on this land. And this is the conversation they're having. It's almost like this huge, um, climactic moment at the end of a movie where you see two men, two great men come together at the end of their life to do this kind of like one last great thing, you know? And so Caleb's coming and talking to Joshua about this. And so Caleb says, I was 40 years old when Moses the Of the Lord sent me from Gadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers, who went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That's very important. You're going to see that over and over again where Caleb says, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. If you go back to the book of Numbers again, you'll see in that um, text in 13 and 14 in the book of Numbers, one of the things that God says about Caleb is he says, this servant, um, he's got a different spirit about him because he follows me wholeheartedly. And this is one of the reasons that God says, you're going to inherit this land. And so Caleb um, is following God wholeheartedly. He followed the Lord his God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God. How wholeheartedly. And then just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old, right? I'm still as strong today as the Lord Moses, as the day Lord, as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh. Say it with confidence. Nobody know if you say it right. And gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has, become, has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, how? Wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kariath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. The land, then the land had rest for more. So here's the thing that's really cool before we pray and before we jump in. This is what's really cool is you see these two... Um these two giants, uh, of men, right? You see Caleb and you see this guy named Arbo, right? This, 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 this clan that this was, this guy was the, the biggest, the baddest dude from this clan, the clan that they're kind of known for that they named their city after. And you see Caleb, this great man of God. And you see this, this huge battle that's about to take place between these two people. And and it's finally happening. It's like waiting 45 years. I remember back when, uh, back when mike tyson was big back in the 80s and and all when he was like killing everybody um before he started biting people's ears off and stuff like that when he was just beating the mess out of everybody like we'd find out mike tyson was about to fight somebody and we'd have to wait like three months and was back when they showed it on hbo so you didn't have to pay like 450 dollars or whatever to watch the fight and so you just we just anticipation well the anticipation of this heavyweight battle had been like 45 years They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now you get to this point. It's not just black words on white pages. This is a time when Caleb's literally going to Moses and saying, just give me my land. I'm 85 years old, but I'm about to go kick some tail. Just tell me I can go. Right. And you see this happening. And so as we begin to look at this a little more, let's pray. Let's ask God that he would speak to our hearts. God, we thank you so much. I thank you that you are alive today. I thank you that because of you, God, because of who you are, God, we have come alive for those of us who come to faith in Jesus, that God, you take us from death to life. You called us out of darkness into light. And God, today, I pray that you would do that again in our hearts. God, for those who don't know you, God, I pray that they'd have a great revelation of who you are, that their eyes would be open to see you, that their their, their pulse would quicken as you begin to speak life into their hearts. For those of us who have known you, maybe for years, God, I pray that you would speak to us and draw us closer to you. Let us see you more clearly, that we can walk and follow you more, um, more closely, God to follow you wholeheartedly. God, we thank you for what you will do here. We thank you for your word. Let it grow us today. Let it speak to us today. Let it change us today that we can bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here, quick question. How many of you have ever done something like you set your mind out to do it? Maybe at the first of the year, you said, I'm going to do a diet. I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. I'm about to lose some weight, right? I'm about to make this, I'm going to start working out. And here's the mistake we always make when we decide we're going to work out is we go to work out and we try to do like every muscle group ever. The first day we work out and we think we can like get it all done that day. And then it'll, it'll be good from then on. Never happens that way. How many of you try to diet and it just didn't last. Right. And then everybody's like, well, let's, what you got to do is you don't do a diet. You just have to change your way of life. I'm like, whatever. It's still food. I'm still hungry. I don't care what you call it. It's still hard to do. Right. And so I remember doing this. If you've been around the church, you probably heard me talk about this some, but I remember about four years ago, um, it was when the the P90X thing became really popular. How many of you remember the P90X thing? Some of you tried to do the P90X thing and you failed miserably like me because those people aren't real. I've come to the conclusion they aren't real. And so, um, I started trying to do the P90X thing, literally no joke without going way into the story. Um, I did it for a few days. The first week um, I did this, I literally felt like I had the flu. I thought I was dying, right? I hurt so badly. And, and I would go into the office early and I would do this, do these exercises. And I was like, this maybe this will help. No, it didn't really. It didn't, and, and so I, I did it for about three or four weeks. I tried to stick it out, and you know, I did it maybe even for a month and a half. And finally, I got to a point where I was like, "It's just easier to eat French fries and be fat. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to set this to the side, and I'll just eat French fries." And, and, and I became much more happy. P90x will not make you happy. I just a true testimonial right there. And so, um, but the reality of it is, it's hard to stick with these things, right? And and and, and I even see my my children now. They'll want to go work out. They want to do these things. Like they'll do some sit ups. They'll do some push ups. They could go work out one one time and he'll come back in and he'll be like, dad, I think it's helping. I think it's helping. And I'm like, well, you kind of got to do it more than once, buddy. That's kind of how it works. But wouldn't it be awesome as if when we started a diet or we started working out, like we saw immediate results immediately. Like, so you go and you do some sit-ups and it's like, like one ad pops out, right? I mean, just right there. It'd just be awesome. You know, cause then you're like, oh, I can do some more. And it's like, right. And you just kind of, you know, you get some results immediately, but for so many things in life, we don't get immediate results and we are such an immediate results culture, right? Uh, I was comedi- uh, comedian immediate results on people that, that if we have to wait two days for something, it seems like eternity. You order something off of Amazon. And if it's not there, like the next day, you're like, when is it coming? Right? And it's just kind of our attitude. It's just how we are. And, and here we read about a guy who had waited 45 years for what God had promised him. 45 years. From the time that the spies went in, they came out, 10 gave a negative report. So God said, well, then y'all 10 aren't going in, but the two of y'all, you can go in. He'd been waiting 45 years, 38 years wandering in the desert and seven years of conquest. And he'd been fighting for land that other people were getting, knowing that God had promised him this part of this land. And I wonder, like, how did he do this? Because the Bible says for three times in just these 10 verses that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. How did he do that for 45 years without getting frustrated? How many of you just knowing yourself would say, I probably would have given up before 45 years were up. I mean, just being quite honest, I would have quit probably. I'm like, maybe two, three years in, I'm like, maybe I heard God wrong, right? And some of us are in that place where we've been thinking God's going to do something. We've been waiting on something or, or just wondering like, what is God's plan in our life? And we've been waiting for a while and we wondered, does God still have a plan? And so how did God, how did Caleb do this? How did he follow him wholeheartedly? Well, this is the thing I would tell you. When you begin to follow God wholeheartedly, when you make a decision, you say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow him, and you follow him wholeheartedly, some things begin to happen. And one of the things I want you to understand today is that when you begin to follow God wholeheartedly, what begins to happen is you begin to fulfill God's plan, and he begins to fulfill his purpose in your life. And so here's the thing that we need to see. Sometimes the period of waiting for what God's promised is actually the preparation so that we can do what he created us to do. I can tell you this, that there's nobody in the Bible that did anything for God that's recorded with God that didn't go through a wilderness before God used them. And we've all been in a place, we all need to go through a place where we realize that Jesus is all we need because Jesus is all we have. Right. And when that begins to happen, things begin to change. We begin to follow God wholeheartedly and we begin to see that his plan begins to be fulfilled and our, the purpose he created us for will be fulfilled. But we have to follow, we have to make our mind up that I'm going to follow him wholeheartedly. And when we follow him wholeheartedly, we fulfill his plan and we begin to fulfill our purpose. And as I read this text, one of the things that hit me, and this is really where the rest of this message hinges on, this is the biggest thing I can tell you that I see in Caleb's life, um, is that he followed the Lord wholeheartedly because he knew the Lord. See, here's the first thing. If you want to write something down, write this down. The first thing you ought to write down is that when we follow the Lord wholeheartedly, that he begins to fulfill his plan and we begin to fulfill our purpose. But the first thing I'll tell you after that is this, that as we follow him wholeheartedly, our knowledge of him increases. So here's this huge deal. Caleb didn't know about God. Caleb knew God. There's a big difference in that. See, in the American church, there are a lot of people who know about God, but how many people know God? How many people talk to God? How many people pray to God as a friend? How many people listen to God? How many of us know God, not know about God? See, the problem in the American church is not us not knowing about God, it's us knowing God. Most every person in here today already knows enough about God to to keep you busy for the rest of your life. If you know the two greatest commandments according to Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, will that not keep you occupied for a while? Right? It's not, the problem is not knowing about him, it's do we know him? Do we have a relationship with him? Not just being able to pass a test or Bible trivia, but do we know him? Is there interaction in our life where we actually know him and who he is? Because when we begin to follow him wholeheartedly, this is what begins to happen. See, for Caleb, here's the deal. The description that the 10 spies gave was the same as Caleb's description. All of them, all 12 said, this is a great land. This place is incredible. It is indeed the land flowing with milk and honey. They said it's great. The testimony about the people, all 12 had the same testimony about the people. They're big, they're bad, (laughs) they look really dangerous. They all had the same testimony. But where the difference came in was in their awareness of God. It's in their awareness of God. The 10 had no awareness of how big God is and how great God is. But Joshua and Caleb knew God. And because they knew God and didn't know about God, they knew this. Our God can and will do this. And so their testimony became so different. Their testimony became, they are big. It is a great land. Let's go get them. And the other 10 said, they're big. It's a great land. We can't do it see, we'll never overcome the obstacles in our life by turning and walking away from them. The only way we overcome the obstacles in our life is by facing them, moving towards them and taking one step at a time, trusting that God is going to do what he's promised to do, move mountains in our life. And so here's the reality. We have to know him, not just know about him. The second thing I would tell you, and this hinges off of knowing him, is this. Because he followed wholeheartedly, because he knew God He didn't give up on God. See, for for many of us, um, it's easy to give up on him. There's something we're going going through in our life. There's things going on. And and there's things that are happening in our lives. And it's just easy to give up. Okay, maybe God's not going to do what he promised. Maybe um, this is it. Maybe this is just how I'm going to be. I've I've shared in this church a lot about my own struggles with with just dealing with um, just condemnation, identity issues struggles with maybe this is just how I am maybe I'm just going to be this way for the rest of my life maybe things are never going to get better but the reality of it is God had a better story for my life God has a better story for your life and it's found in Christ there's no two greater words in our vocabulary than in Christ because when we are in Christ we we, we find who we truly are and when we're in Christ and we know God we know that with God it's not a matter of if his promises come true. It's a matter of when his promises come true. It's a different way of looking at things. We don't look at God and go, is he going to take care of me? Is he going to provide for me? Is he going to look after me? Is he going to be with my family? We don't, we don't think is, is he, if, will he. We think he's got this. And even when his plan doesn't look like my plan, what begins to happen is I still understand that I serve a God who is very good, a God who is completely sovereign, a God who is in control, and a God that I can trust. Because I guarantee you this, every person in here right now in your life, there are things going on that you don't understand, that maybe don't look the way you thought they were going to look. There's things that have happened in our past that you go, wow, that didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to be might be in a relationship. It could have been in your marriage. It could be with a parent. It could be with a job. It could be just the whole of life and the story that has been written in your life. This is what I can tell you. Don't give up on God because God has a plan. God is in control and you can trust where he's taking you. Just walk and follow him wholeheartedly and don't give up. So many times, one of the things that we do is that we base our, our faith off of emotions And we think that somehow faith is some emotional response to God. When in reality, faith is a choice. Faith is a choice that we say, I'm going to follow him. I know he's touched my heart. I know what he's done in my life. I know that this right now does not make sense. But today I choose to follow him. When our children make decisions that we don't understand, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but you know what? I choose to follow him. I choose to trust him. When our spouse has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and we don't know what they're doing or what's going on with them, you know what we do? We say, God, I trust you with him. I trust you with her. God, I can't do this. I don't know the plan, but I trust you. When work isn't going the way we think it's gonna go, when, 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 when doctor's appointments don't go the way we think they're gonna go, what do we do? We say, God, I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. And I know that your promises are true. And I choose today to follow you. I choose to trust you, God, even when it's hard. I've shared this with you before, but with all the stuff that's gone on with my dad, he had a motorcycle wreck. It was eight years ago, June 3rd, and and, and changed his life and our life forever in fact right now I'd ask you to be praying for him he's in Atlanta having some treatments that hopefully will help with the phantom pain from from having his leg amputated it was two years after the wreck that he finally had to have his leg amputated and also pain that's in his other leg that he still has and he's having these treatments done And, and I can tell you if you go back and read my journals from that time it wasn't all like oh praise God you're so good I love you it was like God what is going on I don't understand God why is this happening? Why would you do this with my dad? Why do my youngest two children not even really know my dad? Because he's been so different ever since, because he hasn't been able to do the things that he would want to do with them. Why is it so different? Why did this happen? Is this some kind of crazy cosmic game? You're playing with my life, playing with his life, And you know, the crazy thing about it, the most amazing thing about it is that when I'm yelling at God, you know what he's, it reminds me of a father when their children are just mad and he just grabs them and holds them and lets them cry in his arms and lets them scream and lets them throw a temper tantrum and just says, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. And at the end of the day. Because of his grace and his love in my life, even when circumstances aren't right, because of his grace and his love in my dad's life, even when circumstances aren't the way I thought they would be, God wraps his arms around me and I choose to put my faith in him because he is a good, sovereign God. And when you begin to doubt the goodness of God, you look at the cross and you see an innocent man who died for the guilty. And you see an innocent man who gave his life for you. And you begin to understand the goodness of God. You cannot look at the cross and not see how good God is. Amen. See, because Caleb didn't give up on God, because he trusted the promises of God, he chose the best way, not the easy way. Many times the easy way is just to turn away. It seems like it's just the best way. Is just, let's just... I'm not even going to pursue anymore, wholeheartedly didn't work, I'm just going to walk away. But because he knew God, because he didn't give up on God, he kept pursuing him wholeheartedly. See, when you realize how much somebody cares for you, you begin to trust them. Because God loves us so much that he gave his best and he gave his only, he gave Jesus, we can trust him. He's shown his love for us and his actions teach us that we can trust him and his way is good. I would say this, Caleb didn't choose the easy way. He chose the difficult way. He, he, he said, God, I'm going to believe you, you'll do this. We're going to do it. And for 45 years, he walked. And, and, and for 38 of those years, he wandered. And then when he's 85 years old, he's like, finally, I get to fight. But he kept following God and he kept pursuing and he kept getting after it it wasn't the easy way, but it was the best way. But let me ask you this. It wasn't the easy way, but it was the best way. But who did it turn out better for? The 10 spies or the two? The two. Who inherited the promise? The two. Who took the land that God promised? The two. And see, it isn't always the easy way to follow Jesus. For young people, it's not always the easy way to stand out in a crowd and take the different route and to take that narrow path. But it does end up turning out best. It's not always easy to make the right decision at work instead of doing the thing that's unethical to try to get ahead a little bit. But it is always best to follow God. And when we do this, we begin to see that in the end, it works out best. Even when we don't understand how it's going to work out, it works out best. Because Caleb didn't give up on God, you see this unwavering devotion to God. And listen, here's what's so awesome. You see in Caleb's unwavering devotion to God, you see this bright light on this dark background of the 10 spies who when Caleb inherits the promise of God are dead and in the grave. And yet Caleb is alive and still fighting for God. How awesome is that? But God fulfilled his promise. That Caleb held on, that he followed wholeheartedly, even when it didn't seem like it was going to work out third thing i tell you about this is because he knew god because he followed god wholeheartedly he didn't give up on god's people and this is this is a big one this is huge because how many of you ever had your feelings hurt at church right let's just be honest let's be honest we're in church Go, you can't lie right in church you <laughs> get struck you lie in church i'm telling you see it happen yeah yeah people have been hurt in church or something didn't go the way we wanted to. We wanted to have like the, the knitting club and the church wouldn't do the knitting club so you got mad, right? And, and so there's always something that people get angry about. And for Caleb, how easy would it have been when he comes back and he's like, yes, let's take the land, let's do it. And they're like, I don't think we can do it. And then for 38 years, he's just wandering in the desert, right? How easy would it have been for him just to go, I could do this better on my own. But isn't that what happens in the church today? That we we get our feelings hurt. Something doesn't go the way we think it should. The preacher didn't do what we thought he was going to do. Or somebody in the church didn't speak to us or smile at us. Even though we don't know what's going on in their life, we take it personally. And the thing I've seen is this, people. Listen, if we're going to follow God wholeheartedly, we can't be so fickle in church. We can't be so... Listen, I'm a person who wears my my, my emotions on my sleeve. You you, You know what I'm thinking all the time, I promise. I wish I could hide them. I can't. But we can't wear them on our sleeves so much that when somebody says something that we just take it so out of proportion that we end up just saying, well, the heck with the people of God. And see, here's the reality for Caleb. He knew he couldn't follow God wholeheartedly apart from God's people. You can't do life alone. We can't do this on our own. And Caleb even knew this, that he knew God. So he understood this, that his purpose was connected to God's people. So here's the reality, people. You can't fulfill your purpose apart from God's people. Because God's desire, yes, it was to save us individually. It was to bring us into relationship with him individually. But the reality of it is God is creating a new people, a community of believers, a community that is united um, by the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what God's design is. And you cannot fulfill God's purpose apart from his people. And I would be the first to tell you, this church is not perfect. If you want a perfect church, you better go somewhere else. I'm just telling you, because it starts at the top, like with me. Not perfect. In fact, sometimes I told somebody yesterday, I said, sometimes I feel like our church is a mini episode of the Jerry Springer show. With some of the stuff that goes on. I'm like, really? I mean, it's like, what? I I, I can promise you this. You can walk in tomorrow and tell me I'm an alien from another planet. And I'd be like, cool. Because nothing surprises me anymore. Like we, we literally, and and you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, it shouldn't be that way." I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry. We're people, and nobody's perfect, and so we have this stuff that goes on, and we work through it. But here's the reality, guys: we work through it together. We don't walk away. And when we know God and we understand our purpose is connected to God's people, and we stick and we stay, and we realize that we're united around the same purpose to make Jesus famous. To let his name be known throughout the earth. And we stick. And this is what I can tell you. If you left another church and came here, man, it'll probably only be a certain amount of time before you leave here, man. It's just the way it works. And many times, listen, if we've been to five, six, seven, this is a little bit of stinging truth here. If we've been to three, four, five different churches and none of them are right, we probably need to look in the mirror. Because if nobody else is right, it probably means we're wrong. And sometimes we need to look in the mirror instead of looking out the window trying to blame everybody else, right? And so we have to come to this place where we realize that this is about us being together, united, our purpose together. Caleb could have easily walked away. Caleb evidently was a pretty sharp guy. He had a lot going for him. He could have easily walked away and yet he knew that his purpose was tied to the people of God. The last thing I would tell you is this, that because Caleb knew God, because he followed him wholeheartedly, he knew that God was bigger than his obstacles. He knew that God was bigger. He knew that God was greater than the things he faced. So that our trivial squabbles with other people are so small in the grand scheme of things. Our trivial squabbles with, with, with folks in the church, they're so small in the grand scheme of eternity. Even the challenges we face, you realize the only hope, the only true hope we have is in the resurrection of Jesus? Because even in the things we face today, really, like if everything worked out for the rest of our life exactly the way we wanted it to, and we lived 100 years with everything going the way we wanted it to go, you know where our hope is? In the resurrection. Because what is 100 years in light of eternity? It's nothing. And so we have to realize that in light of eternity, and I, I wrestle with this all the time, I don't even know, I'm probably too transparent sometimes, but I'm just gonna tell you, I don't even know that I'm not going through like a midlife crisis right now. Like I'm 38, I almost be 39. My kids are growing up. I got one going to middle school next year. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm like, man, I need to probably start looking at Snapchat and all this stuff. What's he, what's he, who's he talking to? Right. And and I don't even know, but, but, but I realize how short life is because it was yesterday that I was going to middle school. Right. You know what I mean? And now it's like, man, I'm old. I can't even work in the yard without my back hurting anymore. Right. I'm like, ah, it's was just old getting there. And if you're 68, you're like, you're not old, you're a young whippersnapper, but it goes quickly. And so the reality of it is the obstacles that we face in light of eternity are really small. And the only real hope we have is in the resurrection of Jesus. That's why Paul said, listen, if he wasn't resurrected, then let's just eat and drink and live today because tomorrow we die. The reality is, though, that God is so much bigger than the obstacles we face. Eternity is so much greater than the things that we're looking at. God is so much bigger. I love to think about the 10 spies and how they, they backed away from Canaan because they looked at the giants. Listen, this is, this is really cool. The 10 spies backed away from from Canaan because they looked at the 10 spies and they compared them with their own ability. But Joshua and Caleb looked at those same people in the land of Canaan, those giants in the land of Canaan, and they didn't compare them with their own ability. They compared them with the ability of God. And when they did that, it gave them confidence that we can overcome this obstacle. That the obstacles I face are nothing in comparison to the God I serve. And listen, we don't always feel that. I don't always feel that. But I have to make a choice. It's true. Because why? I know God. And I know His promises are true. I know God. And I know His promises aren't if, they're when. And so we hold on as God holds on to us. So Don't compare your circumstances to your own ability, compare them to God's. What is God able to do? I can't tell you how many days of my life I have to think about that and I have to go back and I have to say, God, you are in control. You're good. God, I know you've got a plan. And today I'm just gonna choose to trust you. See, many of us are facing very, very difficult things today. and, and, And I hope that you'd be encouraged No matter what obstacle you're facing, God is bigger than what obstacle you're facing. If you'll grab hold of the people of God and you'll walk with people beside you, you can't fulfill the plan of God and you can't fulfill your purpose. My prayer is today that if you don't know him, you would know him. If you do know him, that you draw strength from him, even in the obstacles that you're facing. And I want to show you real quick, I want to show you a testimony of someone in our church Who faced a very, very, very difficult circumstance, a very difficult obstacle. And yet today they still have a smile on their face. They're one of the happiest people I know. They got more joy than anybody I know. One of those people you love to see coming because you know they've got something good to say. You know that you're going to leave there laughing. And so I want you to see this story, this testimony um, about someone here today. So let's check this out.
0: I met Rob in college. We were, um, I was working and a friend of ours wanted to set us up. He had the perfect guy for me. And I wasn't very big on being set up. But when he introduced me to Rob, it was almost love at first sight. We really clicked and from then on we were inseparable. We um, we went out on dates and went, he taught me how to fish and he taught me how to hunt and killed my first deer and you know, he just introduced me to life in Bullock County as a Bullock County farm family. And um, I think we had been dating at that point three and a half years. And that's when we figured out that he had a heart problem. So by January that year, he was having open heart surgery. We, he recovered. You know, it was uh, not an easy recovery, but we got through that and we got married and everything was beautiful. A year later, we had Garrett. And two and a half years after that, we discovered we were pregnant with Ellie Grace. Good morning. How are you doing? About the age of three, when Allie was three and Garrett was six, Rob started feeling different. Well, one Monday night, we had our little nightly routine, and I always read to Garrett at night, and he always read to Allie Grace. And I was in the living room grading papers, and I heard a crash, and I went, I couldn't imagine. It sounded like he had knocked over an armoire in the in the bedroom. And I was like, what in the world? And then I didn't hear anything else, and I went running in there. And Allie Grace was in the corner of the bedroom with her eyes as big as an owl, and Rob was laid out. He had tried to get up and get to me. And that's what the noise was, is he had fell right there. in my bedroom and he was he was kind of propped up so I had to yank him down he was almost 300 pounds it was more than I could possibly do but I did it and got an open airway and got on the phone with my brother-in-law and he got up there and we did CPR on him probably it felt like forever so we kept doing CPR and that got his color back until the paramedics got there and they took him and he died in the emergency, well, he actually probably died on my bedroom floor. But it was the emergency room that they worked on and worked on him and worked on him. They called me back to tell him goodbye. And I, I prayed over him. And I kissed him one last time. And I told him before I left him there, we had always talked about how we were going to raise our children, and how we were going to raise them in a happy house, in a respectful house. Our children were going to be children who had a work ethic, who, were, who weren't lazy, who respected other people, who worked hard, and who were happy. And before I left the emergency room and I left him, I made him that promise. I said, I promise you, you got to go to heaven. I did not. I'm the one that's left here. But I will raise the kids the way we talked about raising them. If it takes my last breath, that's what I'm going to do. And somehow, in some way, I'm going to make sure they're happy, and they're safe, and they're healthy, and that they love God. And I kissed him goodbye and I left. When I went home, of course, all my family was there and my friends. I had such—I have such a godly family. And they were just surrounding me and lifting me up, and telling me how great I was and telling me how strong I was and telling me how God loved me. And they put post-it notes all over my house with Bible verses on them. And that's probably what got me through the first year. Um... Was the godly people that he put around me when I didn't even know what to pray for. When I couldn't think straight. All I knew was I wanted my kid. I was so focused on my kids, so hyper focused on my kids, I didn't see anything else. The only thing that I really couldn't give them, that I really wanted to give them, was my laughter. You know? I would. <laughs> I just didn't. I wanted. And I dreamed and I prayed. And I wanted a happy story. I didn't want them to know a a sad mama, a depressed mama. I wanted them to have a mama who knew where she was going and was determined to get there. And I knew the only way that I could do that was through my Savior. That is the only way. And I, I just, I remember arguing with him on the front porch at night going... This was your grand plan. This is some messed up plan. One night I was sitting there and I was just done. Done. And I said, you know what? I'm so mad at you, I don't even believe in you. This is just a sick joke. I've been praying to something who doesn't exist. I've been putting my faith into something that's an enigma and a fantasy. But then in the second inhale... I was still arguing with him. You can't argue with somebody that's not there unless you are truly insane. Sometimes I might have been, but not then. But he came to me one night and just as loud as somebody standing over my head, I could hear it just as clear as a bell. And he said, Jill, I know you are mad at me, but I love you anyway. You can be mad at me as long as you want. And I know your your feelings but I know you're mad at me, and i love you anyway. Tell me how you feel, and I'll love you. Give me all your pain, and I'll love you. Give me your kids, and I'll love you. And I think that was probably the turning point in my life. was when I was arguing with him and denying him and feeling betrayed by him, that he would look at me and he would say, I know, Jill, that you're very angry with me. And I know all of the teachings I put in your heart. But I am going to love you. And I will show you that I'm going to love you. Just give me your kids. Give me yourself. And I will give you back your laughter. I woke up in the middle of the night, scared to death because something was wrong. That I was forgetting something. Everybody seemed to be safe. And I kept praying, Lord help me remember. And I woke up at four o'clock in the morning the next morning. And I remembered, Rob had been gone four months and I hadn't made one house payment. Not, not one. And I called mom and I was like squalling. I'm gonna lose the house. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I hadn't made a house payment. This house has been in the family for 200 years and I have just screwed everything up. I started getting on the phone with Chase. Manhattan or whoever had the account at that time and I was just frantic frantic and I was like my husband died you don't understand I can't think I don't even know who I am anymore and I had made this house payment and she said well let me honey just, just calm down just let me look and she started looking and she says well you don't owe a payment and I said what do you mean and she said your husband was six months ahead on the house payments and I went what? What? Are you serious? This cheap man who bitched a nickel till it screamed. He was six months ahead on the house payments. And that's one of a million stories. I made a goal of once a day, smiling, if in my face cracked, laughing, cracking a joke, making the world not feel like such a a beaten down, depressing. Just environment because I did not want that. God does not want that. He wants us to be at peace. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to find our joy through Him and be fearless and not be so fra- afraid of everything. We used to cook here every Tuesday night. We'd call them Tuesday Night suppers, and people would come over and bring food and we'd eat and the kids would laugh and play and the house was filled with laughter again and I just felt such a, such a peace and such a um, just so fulfilled and and I was operating out of a place of such faith that I knew that whatever was to come about, it was going to be okay. It was going to be our thing.
1: Pretty powerful to watch that and thing that just kept hitting me over and over again is God has a plan sometimes we don't understand it I'm sure Caleb didn't understand why he had to wait 45 years to inherit what God had for him I know Jill didn't understand what was going on when she lost her husband when things didn't turn out the way she thought they would each one of us has something in our life that just didn't turn out the way we thought but the reality of it is God has a plan Relativity is God is good, God is faithful, God is sovereign, and we can trust him. Even when it doesn't go the way we think it should go. Even when it hurts. Even when the pain feels so real that you don't know if you can take another step. When you're at your weakest, God will be strong and he'll help you take that step. But for us, it's just bringing it to Him and surrendering it a hundred times a day if we need to. And He is saying, God, You're in control. I'm going to trust You. I'm going to worship You. Whatever happens, God, I'm going to praise You. I'm going to love You. Because when we know God and we follow Him wholeheartedly, we realize that His promises aren't a matter of if, it's just when we follow him wholeheartedly and we know when we know that we are called to be connected with his people who strengthen us when times aren't good and help carry us when we feel like we can't walk and we realize that God's bigger than the obstacles we face and that's the good news and through Jesus God overcame the biggest obstacle that any of us face and that's sin man who had no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God so that we would have a hope that's not based on 20 30 40 50 even 100 years but we have a hope that's eternal he took our sin upon himself he took our punishment upon himself he died the death that we deserve to die he was buried and God raised him three days later because he was raised those who place their faith in him beyond circumstance beyond, goes beyond our obstacles we know that one day just as he was raised we will be too So our hope is eternal and we make this choice to say yes God yes whatever it is that you seek that is best for my good and for your glory I'm all in that's how Caleb followed God God whatever it is I'm all in However, this turns out, when I attack these people in Canaan, I'm all in. And so that's the response we have the opportunity to make today. Is to say, God, I'm all in. I'm here. I'm all in. And for some of us, we probably never made that response. We probably never said yes and followed God wholeheartedly. you need to do that today. Do you know Him? Do you really know who God is? Or do you, have you just known about Him? just knowing about him isn't why Jesus died. He died so that we could know him, that we could be called his friends. I so said today, if you don't know him, i want to give you that opportunity to say yes, to say I'm done with my life the way I want it lived. I'm saying yes to God's plan for my life, which begins with Christ and begins with accepting his invitation. I'm ready to leave the old that I can have the new. I'm ready to leave the old that I can actually come to life in Him. Not meaning that everything's going to be perfect and every circumstance is going to be real, but it does mean that a very real God is going to walk with you through the circumstance. So, today, if you don't know Him, this is the invitation that you have from Jesus is to say yes to Him, to come into a relationship with God, a perfect, holy, sovereign God who offers us His grace and mercy so if you don't know him today this is what I'm going to ask you to do But you would say yes I do want him I want that relationship with him this is what I want to ask you to do don't you ask you to just raise your hand right where you are to say yes to his invitation for the first time just say yes to God Somebody say yes to the promises that Jesus made to the promises that God made through him but you say yes to him today for the first time Here's the second thing I want to throw out to you. Many of us today are carrying something that's very heavy. It's painful. Maybe something in your marriage. It may be a relationship. With a friend, it may be something at work. There's thousands of things that it can be, but you know what it is. Something that's heavy on your heart. It's an obstacle that you're wrestling with day you have an opportunity to surrender that to God and to say I may not understand the plan God but I know you have one I'm going to trust you with it I do this all the time with my kids because I want to hold on to them so tight I can't tell you how many times a week I have to just say God they're yours do with them what you see fit get a peace that goes beyond understanding. A lot of you know that we've been living with my parents. That's another reason I might be having a midlife crisis is I'm living with my parents at 38 and a half years old. But you know, I, I, I know God had a purpose for that. But one of the challenges I faced is every morning. Every morning that I leave, to go to the office I see my dad laying in his bed much faith. That I never questioned. That I never doubted. I'm never angry, but I know that every day that I leave, I make a choice. strength and I keep walking and I keep taking another step and I keep believing that God has a plan for him I pray every day that somehow God would redeem those years (laughs) but if it doesn't go the way that I think it should I know that God has a greater plan so I choose to believe and I choose to persevere and I choose to walk trusting him day you have the same opportunity just to say yes god i'm just going to trust you i'm going to lay it at your feet god, give me the peace that surpasses your understanding give me the strength to continue to walk Now i want to pray and after i pray i'm going to give you the opportunity you just come and you come as i'm praying you come and leave that here today you let god have it Let his peace replace. Maybe it's the frustration. Maybe it's the hurt. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's doubt. But you come and you let peace replace whatever it is that you're feeling. As you lay that down at his feet. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come to you. I thank you, God, for your love and grace in our lives. we don't always understand but in my heart God I know you're good I know you have a better plan God you have a better story you have a better life for us God let our pain bring you glory just as Jesus did on the cross don't let it be wasted God, take our pain and God, give us joy. God, just as you did with Jill, let us laugh. Let us enjoy life. Let us enjoy every day. Let us enjoy it in the light of eternity and all the things, God, that you have for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God, even in the midst of the storm, God, because I know this, Lord, when you're in the boat, we can get through the storm. just as you spoke peace in the boat with the disciples in the midst of that storm you said peace be still I pray God that you would speak that to our hearts today God these are your people you love them more than I do Lord it says that you would hold them God even the ones who are angry the ones who are bitter hold them tight Let them cry into your shoulder, let them cry into your chest.